Oh God, we believe it. We come and we bring our impossible to your feet. We bring our doubt. We bring our problem. We bring our worry. We bring our anxiety. We bring our addiction. We bring our depression. We bring our grief. We bring our hurt to your feet, God. Because, Jesus, nothing's impossible for you. God, you work in the impossible. And we praise you. And together, we just declare, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are the King of kings. You are the risen one. You are the Son of God. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your presence, God. I just have the feeling you're going to move in a special way in this service, God. Transform us. Have your way. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. Oh, my goodness. I'm a little bit of a mess right now. Uh, turn to someone and just tell them he can do it. And then you can have a seat. Just tell them he can do it. Do it. Wow, guys. I, uh, I'm excited about how God's moving in this church. He's doing some really cool things. Hey, you know what? Um, before I jump on the message, I just thought about something. Um, I want to pray for Hawaii. You know, a lot of times we think of Hawaii, we just think it's paradise and, you know, boo-hoo, woo-on-them kind of thing. Um, but uh, uh, they experienced this fire, and a lot of people lost their lives in this fire. And I have uh, pastor friends who were, who were there, and I talked to uh, my pastor friend, his name is Mark, and, uh, Mark Gunnison, and, and he pastors there in Maui, and he's taking in a whole bunch of families in his church, and they're loving on the community. They've spent $22,000 uh, loving on, on these people, and uh, just, just um, they, they delivered water, and they needed a police escort just to deliver water there, but um, can we just pray for them? Is that cool? Um, <clears throat> God, be with them. Be with these churches in Hawaii. Watch over them, Lord, and I pray, Lord, somehow that you use this tragedy uh, to bring people to you. I pray that you minister to the hearts of those loved ones who lost loved ones. Be with them, Lord. Watch over them. Take care of them, God. Be with my, my brother, Mark. Give him insight in how to love on his community. And watch over him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, you know, when you're out there, it's beautiful, but... You can really feel like literally you're on an island. I mean, you really do feel like that. So it's uh, appreciate your prayers to them. Hey, uh, um, I'm a, I'm a little bit on a high, I guess. A little just little forewarning there. In this case, I say something. But uh, I've been preaching every day for the last five, four, four, four days or whatever it is. Um, I was at a young adults retreat, our young adults retreat um, in Divide, Colorado, which is just west of Colorado Springs, and they had about 30 of our young adults uh, between the ages of 18 to 25, and I preached there Thursday night and Friday night, and we talked about Joseph, and Joseph was a young adult working through a bunch of stuff, and uh, we talked about that. Great, great time. I'm so encouraged to see our young adults crying out for God, focusing on Jesus, learning to walk by faith, 
This is a special, special thing. I'm, I'm happy that, that God's moving across the church in different ages, and it's so beautiful. But I got a shirt out of it. That's why I feel, see, isn't it, see, get, I love young adults, I love, what, see, um, I just feel like I'm 21 right now, just why I'm wearing this shirt right now. But, uh, but it's, a, it's a cool thing. You have a church that's, uh, that's really moving. So I'm excited about this message, guys. I preached it a few times, but it's, uh, I feel the fresh anointing on me, so thank you, Lord. Um, I, I want to talk about a story. We're in Joshua, the book of Joshua, and we're looking at Joshua chapter 3. But before we jump into Joshua chapter 3, I want to give you a little backstory, just to get us all up to speed and what's happening. Um, God chose his people, the Israelites, to be with them, to walk with them, and God does a lot of crazy miracles before their eyes. And, and scripture says one day they were in Egypt, they were slaves. God raised up a guy named Moses to deliver them. And then there were like these 10 plagues that happened and God just flexed. And God delivered these, these Israelites. They, parted, they walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. And then they got up to this border um, known as the promised land. That's the life that God has for them. And instead of them going through, they sent in some scouts. And they looked it over and they said, you know what? There's giants in this promised land. I know God wants us to go in there, but God didn't think it through. And there's no way we can go in there and, and beat those guys. So scripture says they wept. They wailed. I mean, have you ever been there before? They just wept. And they didn't go. And then God comes down and says, check it out. Because you explored for 40 days, you're going to now wander in this wilderness for 40 years. One year for each day that you went in to check it out. So now they're wandering in this wilderness, and there's these people who die, people who are born, and this kind of thing. And eventually Moses dies, and then there's the new leader that steps up, Joshua. Actually, God chooses Joshua. And Joshua says, you're the man. You're going to lead the people into this promised land now. So that's what, what happens. In Joshua chapter 1, there's this you know, this emphasis uh, over and over, you read these words, uh, be, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Be courageous for the Lord your God is with you. Be strong and courageous. Say, be strong and courageous with me, guys. Be strong and courageous. You, you're going to have to help me preach. Say, be strong and courageous with me. Be strong and courageous. I think God just knew that we have a tendency to be afraid. I think God just knows us. I know it sounds silly that God knows us, but he knows the way we're wired. He knows what makes us nervous, all that stuff. So he says, be strong and courageous. In chapter one, that's the, that's the message. That's the vibe in chapter one. Chapter two is a crazy story because you read about this woman that God uses. Her name is Rahab, and she's a prostitute. Joshua chapter two, crazy story. Joshua chapter three, they're about to cross. It's a big deal. So we're going to look at Joshua chapter 3. Here we go. Verse 1. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. So they're camping out. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp. So how many days were they camping? How many days? Three days, yep. There are three days they're camping, 
and they got their North Face tents out and their sleeping bags or whatever it is, and they're, they're right by the Jordan, so th that's where they're camping. Verse, uh, verse 3 says, uh, these uh, Israelite officers gave these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and what? And all right, so Levitical priests, what are these guys? Descendants of Aaron. These are designated men whose responsibility is to take care of the house of the Lord, take care of the furnishings of the Lord, take care of the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the tablets. Uh, it's these, these, they have a sacred task to take care of the things of God, the house of the Lord. And this is a big deal. The Ark of the Covenant, um, this right here represents the very presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. And there were specific instructions on how to carry it and who was to carry it and who was not to carry it. In fact, when the wrong guy tried to carry it, he died right on the spot. So there's this fear, this general fear around the Ark of of the covenant. You know, we're going to go to Israel in, in June. I hope you're going to go with us. And, and uh, I've told people already, if we find the Ark of the Covenant, do not open it. Because I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. So whatever you do, do not open the Ark of the Covenant. So, no! Uh, their responsibility was to follow behind them, right? Verse 4. Um, yeah, verse 4. Since you have never traveled this way before. Oh, let's just stop right there. They've never traveled this way before. Let me just throw something down at you for you to chew on a little bit. God wants to take you down a road you've never been on. I know that's scary because a lot of you, you like routine. You go the same way to church. You go to the same way to work. You go to the same grocery store all the time because you know where the salsa is at and you know where everything else is at. God wants to take you down a road you've never been on. You really you ready to go? So he tells them, since you've never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them. Do you, do you feel the, the respect they have for the Ark of the Covenant? Keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. I think those guys are like, that's fine. I don't want to get near that thing. I think they were, they were okay with that. Make sure you don't come any closer. And verse 5 says, then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves. That's a spiritual word. Really, other versions say consecrate yourself. It's this idea of you saying, God, I need you to forgive me for my sins. I want you to, anything you see in my life that's not pleasing to you, I want you to get rid of it. And I want to get right before you. That's what, that's what Josh was telling them. For tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Like that cool? God's saying, okay, you need to get right with God because tomorrow it's coming. You don't know what it is, but God is behind it. He's going to do great things. Your part is to make sure you're right with God. Like anytime I, I drive with someone and I'm in the passenger seat, I'm always thinking about how bad of a driver they could be because, you know, I got to be ready. You know, if we take a left turn on oncoming traffic, I'm like, Lord, I love you. Man. My life is in your hands. So anyways, you can hear me pray if you let me ride with you. You can hear me pray. Uh, verse 6 says, In the morning Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they, they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, Today, say today with me, today, today. I will begin to make you a great leader 
in the eyes of all the Israelites. Look, he's increasing Joshua's influence. He's showing everyone that God is with Joshua. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Let's talk about this Jordan River here a little bit. The Jordan River is 156 miles long. And it's, it runs north and south from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea. It's mentioned in the Bible 185 times. And anytime you come across the Jordan, it symbolizes this, this uh, barrier between your old life and the new life that God has for you. So it, it's symbolic as you go through the Jordan River, you're being delivered from oppression, you're delivered from slavery. You're embracing the life that God has for you. And it represents this breakthrough, this spiritual breakthrough when you go through the Jordan River. We don't really have that. I thought about, like, what river do we have up here? I think the only one is, like, I-25. You know what I mean? We don't really have a river. It's not like the Mississippi or something like that. But, but that's what this is. It represents this life that God has for you. Now, I think all of us have a Jordan River in our life. I think all of us are like, there's this one thing that I don't cross this thing. I'm, conv- I'm okay over here. And there is a genuine fear for some of us to go down a road we have not traveled. It's just a genuine, you know, that's just kind of there. And then uh, God tells them to spend three days just waiting by this river. I thought about that. I'm like, well, what does that look like? I mean, why did God tell them? Spend three days by this river. When you keep reading this passage, you read that the river was really high. It was not a trickle. It was running high, running strong. And at this point, you have like one, two million Israelites that are all, you know, right there. And they've got to be looking at that river thinking, well, we got to go to the other side. But uh, that looks scary. You know, they're just thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. Like, well, I don't know about that. It's like a, one of the things the young adults did was they went zip lining. Anybody ever go zip lining? It's a lot of fun. You know, where you're up on this platform and you're tied to this cable thing. And then at some point you got to, you know what I mean, let yourself go. And then you're, you go to shoot. You know, that's a little bit scary. But what I've discovered is the longer you're up on that platform, the scarier it gets. You know what I mean? You just start staying up there, and you're like, the ground gets, I mean, it gets higher and higher and higher, and after a while, you know, everybody's like, jump, 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 and you're like, I'm scared. I don't know if I can do it anymore. Like, bungee jumping. I don't know if I can do bungee jumping. I've seen too many videos, I guess, or something. I don't know. That thing just holding on to you is like, I don't know. They're camping by this river, and verse 3 says, when you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions... And follow them. Now God's giving the instructions. And he's telling Joshua to tell the Israelites. When you see the Levitical priests moving with the Ark of the Covenant. Here's your job. Get behind them. And follow them. Now something you see immediately is this. Joshua recognizes this is a spiritual problem. Not a human problem. And he recognizes, you know what? God has to go first. God has to go first. This is a spiritual issue. Too many times you battle spiritual issues with human efforts. 
You try to fix the problem on your own. You try to fix the marriage on your own. You try to fix him. You try to fix her. You try to fix your finances. You try to fix your job. Whatever it is, it's a spiritual issue. Here's what God wants you to do. Pray first. Pray. 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 Say it with me. Pray. 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 Come on. We need to pray on this side. I can feel it already. Pray. 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 Pray first. You're going to spend a lot of wasted energy. What if God's not moving that direction, but you're trying to go that direction? What if you're trying to tear down walls and kick open doors and all that stuff when God wants you to go another direction? I have learned, I'm going to give you a church word, I have learned to look first for the favor of God. When I can see God moving before me, that's when I know, okay, God's moving before me. That's all I need to know. I know he's with me. Now I'll move forward. Joshua knew it was a spiritual problem, not a human problem. Verse 8 says this, give this command to the priests who, are carrying, who, who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, and then what does it say? Take a few steps. Say that with me. Take a few steps. Turn to the person next and just tell them, take a few steps. Can you do that? Take a few steps into the river and stop there. When I was looking at this, I was at Woodland Park at a Starbucks and the Lord just brought this passage, this phrase, take a few steps out at me. I thought, what's that about? Because if you rewind a little bit and you look at the Israelites and there was this other famous river, so to speak, that they crossed, the Red Sea, when they were getting out of Egypt, Pharaoh's army was behind them. And you know what God told Moses to do? Just lift up your staff and hold it over. So he just stood at the bank, lifted up his staff, and then all of a sudden the Red Sea parts and they're like, you know, oh cool, this is dry ground now, this is cool kind of thing. And that's what he does. There's sends a wind to dry it all up. But just do this. Now here in Joshua chapter 3, God is telling the Israelites, take a few steps. What's that about? Do you, do you hear what some of you, you'll get with me in a little bit. Just hang in there. Hang in there. You'll, you'll, you'll get it. It'll stick in a little bit. Take a few steps. And then I thought about this. You know why, why would God say over here, say, just hold up the staff and watch. But in Joshua chapter 3, 40 years later, God says, take a few steps. You know what? I think God expects more from those people who have seen him move in their life. You know what I'm talking about? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have grown up in the church? How many of you know your Bible? How many of you have witnessed some things? Now, let me say this now. You should be an example of faith to everyone around you because you've seen God move. And if you're not an example of faith, then you're not taking any faith steps anymore. You should be an example of faith. You should be the one to say, yep, I saw God move like this in my life. I saw God deliver me over here. God healed me over here. God worked in my life with my kid. God worked over here. God took care of me in my career. God, and people should look at you and you say, wow, look at that boy taking steps. You should be that example. And then the other thought I had was this. Why does God say take a few steps? I mean, taking one step is like, whew, 
And I think the way we're wired is like, okay, God, here's what I'll do. I prefer the staff thing, and I'll just watch, right? You hold up the staff, you do the miracle, God, and then I'll walk through it, and I'll, I'll get credit for my faith. But, you know, maybe that's like, that's what we prefer. But then God says, okay, well, I think I prefer to take one step. So I'm really, oh, into the unknown, and I'm going to be like, okay, God, you move now. Because I did my step, now you move. But God doesn't do that. What does he say? Take a few steps and then wait. Do you feel the difference? Do you feel the difference? Now, I'm going to say something to those of you who are Christians. I'm going to talk to those people who are not Christians. I'm going to give you a little secret. Uh, All of us like comfort. And sometimes we can throw God under the bus. We can use God as an excuse. Because most Christians or most people, you know know what God wants you to do. You're like, yep, I know God wants me to serve. I know God wants me to give. I know God wants me to, you know, volunteer in a ministry. Yep, I know God wants me to share my faith. I know God. And if you ask that person, hey, can you help me out? Or can you serve in this area? Or this person's going through a hard time. Yeah, can you do this? You know what they'll tell you? I'll pray about it. You know what that means? That's code for no. Isn't it? Come on now. You know it is. All of you who use that aren't even laughing. I know you're not, but you know it is. It's code for no. The only way you change it is if your couch catches on fire and you hear a voice from the Lord in your living room. You know what God wants you to do. You know what pleases God. I'm too busy. I'm a very busy person. I'm busy, 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 busy. I am so busy. I am so busy. I can't do it. There's no way. Come on now. And you know the thing about you throwing God under the bus and hiding behind God? Check it out. They say, let me pray about it. And you know who is the only one that determines whether God or not spoke to them? Them. Very subjective. Very subjective. Yeah, I know we should honor God with a tithe. Let me pray about it. I know I should share my faith. Yep, I know I need to. Do, I know God wants me to do this. I know God wants me to start this ministry. I know God wants me to start this business. I know God. Let me pray about it. I don't want to go down a road I haven't been on. And I'm comfortable. And I'm comfortable. So we can hide behind that. God tells the Israelites, take a few steps. Are you willing to do that? Take a few steps on a road you have never been. A road you've never been. Take a few steps. Verse 9. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today, say today again with me. Today, you will know that the living God is among you. Then the second half of that verse says, He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. These are all nations, pagan nations, who worship other gods. And God is flexing. He's showing the whole world that there's no other god like him. That's what he's doing. But the first half of that verse, God tells them, Today you will know that the living God is among you. What's that about? Look at the order. 
God tells them, today you're going to know that the living God is among you. Why? Because tomorrow you're going to face some giants. You hear that? God still does that. You're at church right now. God is with you. God is with you. God's going to give you strength. And you know what? It's important to receive that because tomorrow you're going to face battles that you're not expecting. You're going to face issues that you're not expecting. Your faith is going to be rattled. Your theology is going to be rattled. You're going to be shaken. But don't be afraid because today you know that the Lord is with you. Do you hear that? God is preparing them. He's giving them legs for a future race that they're going to have to run. He's like, today, today you got to know that. Isn't that what you want? I mean, haven't you been at that place where you're like, God, I don't feel you at all. God, I don't feel your presence at all. God, I don't feel your love at all. God, I don't even feel like you care about me at all. I don't even feel like you're listening to me at all. God, I'm just not feeling it. Have you ever been there before? And you say, God, I need you to show me. What a powerful prayer. God, show me that you are with me. Something crazy happens if you genuinely seek God's presence. You genuinely want to know who God is. Then you can take steps afterwards. It's like God met with, with, with me at Starbucks, or he met with me in my office, or he met with me over here in the front row, or he met with me in the car, and he meets with you in these places at your house, in your kitchen, at work, in your car, wherever it is, and he meets with you, and it's just like you're like, you know, you're juiced up, you know, it's like those EV cars, right? The electronic, and all of a sudden you get plugged in, it's like, wow, I'm ready to go now, let's go. I'm ready to fight whatever I gotta fight. I know he's with me, and nothing else matters. And for many of you, that's the issue. You need to know that God is with you. You're at church right now at Thorn Creek Church. You're farther along than you think. God is with you. Let me ask you the question this way. What steps would you take if you knew God was with you? What steps would you take? What are you afraid of? If God is for you, who can be against you? Verse 11 says, look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. There it is again. God first. You're following him. So there is a time to pray and wait, but there's also a time to take a few steps. And you know when it's time to take a few steps. You know it. You know it. This is not rocket science. And you know it. And that's why you say, I'll pray about it. That's why you know it. And you tell everyone when you think. When you think. Wow. You're missing out. You're missing out. Verse 12. Now, now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel. One from each tribe. Now, this is the same formula that God had. Um, that you read about in the days of, of Moses. And there were these, these 12 from each tribe, and they went to go and explore the promised land. And 10 came back and said, it is beautiful, but there's giants. We don't have the numbers. We don't have the strength, so we can't do it. And Joshua and Caleb were the only two that said, no, 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 we can do it. And Joshua and Caleb, and now Joshua's back, and now they're sending 12 again. 
what's going to happen this time? It's, it's a different attitude. They learn from their past. They learn from the mistakes. And verse 13 says, the priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. There it is. The ark of the covenant. They're carrying it. Which is, which, this is a whole other sermon, guys. Think about this. The very presence of God, the spirit of God was in this ark of the covenant that only the Levitical priests. Now today, Christians can experience the spirit of God living inside of them that leads them and directs them and convicts them and helps them in life. They're crazy. Wow. It's a whole other message. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord and the Lord of all the earth. And then check it out. As soon as their feet touched the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream. Say upstream with me. And the river will stand up like a wall. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream. And I thought about that, and you know what I thought? <clears throat> I think when they, these priests were being obedient to God, and when you take a few steps, right? That's scary. One step is scary. A few steps is scarier. I think when they took these few steps, they could not see what God was doing upstream. Oh, this hold on, baby. They could not see what God was doing upstream. They're just exercising faith here, what's in front of them, but they can't see what's happening. It's unseen faith and obedience. Let me put it this way. Here it comes. God will work upstream when you're obedient downstream. There it is. Did you feel that? God will work upstream when you're obedient downstream. You're just exercising faith and you're taking a few steps and you're saying, I know God wants me to do this and I'm doing this and I'm doing it and I can't see what's happening here, but I know God is up to something. Turn to someone next to you and just tell them God is up to something. Can you do that? God is up to something. But check it out. God does not move upstream until you take a few steps downstream. You guys hear that? You got to take a few steps. He's working upstream. And I thought about this and I thought, well, how does that, what does that look like? And then I thought about, you know, I, I, I preach just about every weekend. Create, we create messages and like series and themes and all this stuff. And we do it like weeks, months in advance. I mean, it's like a, a calendar. We're going to talk about lust and anger and addiction and, and whatever it is. And, and, you know, faith and doubt or whatever it is. We, I mean, it's like a way out in advance, way out in advance. And I can't tell you how many times someone shows up to church at that service and says, oh my word, I felt like you were talking right to me. I'm going through this problem and you preached about this problem right here. Wow, how did you know? Did I get too fast? Did you hear that? God's working upstream, baby. And he knows 
what you're going to face downstream. And he wants you to be faithful downstream because he's moving upstream. And when you're faithful downstream, he's doing things upstream and you may not see it until a certain point happens. And then you recognize God was moving the whole time. See, God's working upstream in your life. You just don't know it. He's working on that guy that you don't think he's working on. He's working on that woman that you don't think he's working on. He's working on that boss that you don't think he's working on. He's working on your future and you don't even know it. He's working on your career and you don't even know it. He's working on your plan for your life and you don't even know it. He's working on deliverance and you don't even know it. He's working, he's working, he's working, baby. He's working upstream. He's working upstream. But it requires you to exercise faith and obedience downstream. You got to take a few steps. Let me say it this way. God's not just walking with you. God's walking before you. Isn't that good? He's not just walking with you. He's walking before you. And when you take a few steps, you experience the supernatural. You experience things that could only be explained if God was in it. You take a few steps and you say, wow, I had no idea. I had no idea God was working in you. I had no idea. I just led someone to Jesus a few weeks ago. I had no idea God was working upstream in their life. And they talked to me downstream and I led them to Christ. But the truth is, I don't get any glory. God gets all the glory. But the truth was, God was already working upstream in their life. And I only witnessed it because I was faithful downstream. You know what I'm talking about. You got to be faithful and obedient downstream. Verse 13. As soon as their feet touched the water, here it is. As soon as their feet touched the water, the flow of water will be cut off where? Upstream. And the river will stand up like a wall. So here they are. So the priests are take a few steps. And as soon as their feet touch the water, as soon as their feet touch the water, their job was to stand in the water. I don't see anything happening, but I'm going to exercise obedience right here. And as soon as their feet touch the water, God's working upstream. He sees your faith. He sees your obedience. He's going to move in your life in a way you never dreamed. God sees your obedience and he wants you to trust him. Your job is to stand in the water and get your feet wet. Your job is to take a few steps. That's your job. Verse 14. I'm getting a little excited. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season. It was the harvest season. Say that well loud with me. It was the harvest. Thank you. And the Jordan was what? Look at the timing of God. It wasn't a trickle. It wasn't a kiddie pool. It was running. It was harvest season. It's when the waters were at its 
fullest. Look at the way God works. It's when the waters were at its fullest. Let me say it this way. God loves to work in situations that you think are impossible. God loves to work in situations that you think is too late. God loves to work in situations where you think he's a lost cause. She will never. You don't believe me? Check it out. What about Abraham or Abraham and Sarai? God says, I'm going to use you. You're going to have a kid. And I'm going to create a whole nation out of you. I'm going to bless you. Your job is to believe what I told you and walk by faith. And they're like, great. And in their 20s, it's not happening. It's not happening. Nobody's getting pregnant. 30s, it's not happening. 40s, it's not happening. You know what God does? He waits till they're good and old and things are hanging and they're barren. And God says, now's the time I'm going to bless you with a kid. You didn't believe that? You didn't get that? All right, check this out. The Philistines are upon the Israelites. All the brave men have swords and armors and they're standing before the Philistines and nobody's going to attack them. But what does God do? Somebody calls DoorDash. (laughs) And they say, get that shepherd boy. And the shepherd boy shows up in front of everyone and knocks Goliath down with a rock. You You didn't get that either? He waits, he waits until it's an impossible situation. The brook dries up. The prophet Elijah needs food. And what does he tell him? Hey, I got a great idea. Go to this old woman who's about to die. And she's going to take care of you and provide for you. You're like, an old woman about to die. It's impossible. It doesn't make any sense. How can that, that doesn't, God, that doesn't make any sense at all. Or or, or what about, what about God saying, I'm going to use this virgin woman. She hasn't had sex and I'm going to put my Holy Spirit over her and she's going to be impregnated with the son of God and it's going to blow everyone away. And her fiance is going to want to dump her because he doesn't understand with it, but God's going to use a virgin to put a baby in impossible situations or what about this there's this guy that dies and Jesus shows up four days late the guide is good and dead it's too late Jesus it's too late God the miracle is late you had an opportunity it's too late there's no way he will be different there's no way our marriage will be different there's no way we'll become friends again there's no way I'll get out of this financial debt there's no way it'll happen there's no way I'll be set free it's too late and Jesus says Lazarus come forth and he comes out that's what he does God works in situations that seem impossible and too late. And some of you are thinking, I'll never have that faith again. I'll never be at that place again. And you've given up on yourself. And I'm here to tell you, it's not too late. God works in the miraculous and he'll move. He wants you to know there's nobody like him. And he loves you.
you. Jesus, dead for three days. Long enough where the disciples said, let's go fishing. And then all of a sudden the stone was gone. You see the situations he worked. Check this out. What about that guy who is a Christian killer? He hated Christians. He was a guy that you don't pray for. All the other Christians weren't praying for him. He's that guy that everybody says, no way. You know what? If he's going to be there, I'm not going to be there. What was his name? Saul. But Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. When everybody thought it was too late and it was impossible, Jesus got a hold of his heart. And this Christian killer becomes one of the greatest missionaries in history. And much of the New Testament was written by his hand. It's not too late. I don't know what you're facing right now in life, and I feel like I got to tell this service this. It's not too late. You had a promise. God has heard it. It's not too late. You're working through something. It's not too late. God sees you. God wants to do a miracle in your life. Verse 15 says, But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up at a great distance away at a town called, what? Adam, which is near Zarethan. Check it out. So they, 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 they cross the Jordan River. God takes them on their spiritual journey. They just happen to show up when the, when the water's high. That's when they show up. And God says, now that it's high, it's not a trickle. I want you to take this step. And scripture says, as soon as their feet touched the water, a little bit of breeze, as soon as that happened, something was happening at this city called, what was it called? Adam. You know, I did a little research from where they crossed and where Adam is. You know how far away it is? 20 miles. 20 miles away from where they put their feet in the water. That's like from here to I-25 in Bellevue down in South Denver. That's like from here to Red Rocks or Golden Gate Canyon. That's how far 20 miles is. God was working upstream 20 miles away while they were beating downstream, exercising faith and trust in God. God was working. They didn't see it, but they had faith and they trusted God. Glory to God. 20 miles away. 20 miles away, baby. I don't know what you're facing, but you think, gosh, there's no way. You know what? God is with her and God's working in her heart. You got to know that. God is with him and he's working in his heart. You just don't know it. God is working in that situation. He's already moving. You just don't know it. All he's waiting for you is to get wet. All he's waiting for you is just to trust him. 20 miles away. Here's another question. What would you do if you knew God was working 20 miles ahead of you? What would you do? If you're breathing, you're not retired in God's eyes. Did you hear that? If you're breathing, you're not retired in God's eyes. God has a purpose for you. And the water below that point flowed on the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over 
near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. I had this picture of them stepping in and saying, okay, I'm going to go ahead and just exercise faith, and I'm going to get wet, and I don't know what's going to happen. But while they're there, they're standing there long enough where they're looking down, and it's becoming dry. And eventually, when it's dry, there's this whole nation that walks through. I mean, just the trash talker in me would want to tell them I was here when it was wet. That's just a trash talker in me. I was here when it was wet. And hear this, those behind you will walk through dry ground because you were willing to get your feet wet. Those behind you that you care about are gonna walk through on dry ground because you were willing to get your feet wet. Somebody's gotta get wet. Somebody's gotta take a few steps. And those of you who are parents and, and you know, you've got your kids in church, you know what you're doing? You're getting your feet wet because you want your kids to walk through on dry ground. You're showing them what faith looks like. Check it out. God's calling you to serve Him in a ministry. you got to take a few steps and get your feet wet because check it out. There's going to be people behind you that are going to come through on dry ground who are going to put their faith in Jesus for the first time. Entire households are going to come to know Jesus because you are willing to get your feet wet. you got 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 to get your feet wet. Oh, God. Is anybody hearing this? Can anybody praise the Lord? anybody receiving this word it's from God this is for you you got to receive it in the name of Jesus Christ you got to get your feet wet oh those of you who are willing to get your feet wet there's gonna be an earthquake God's gonna do a mighty thing in your life and you know what everybody else can just watch There's going to be people that are going to say, I'll pray about it. You know who you are. I got my feet wet years ago. I don't need to get my feet wet anymore. I'll pray about it. Oh, guys, for this church to go forward, if you want to witness the miraculous, somebody's got to get their feet wet. Ready to get your feet wet? God, thank you for your grace and your love. Lord, I've done my best. I've done my best, Lord, to help them understand your love and purpose. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for forgiving me for my sins. Thank you for using me. If you're ready to get your feet wet, maybe the first decision is you need to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You need to take a few steps. Here's your opportunity. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus, say this prayer right where you're at. Say, Jesus, 
I need you. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I want you to be my Lord and Savior of my life. I turn to you with all of my heart. Teach me to walk by faith and put your Holy Spirit inside of me. Others of you call yourself a Christian. Maybe God is telling you it's time to get wet again. It's time to take a few steps. And maybe you need to say, I'll do it, God. I'll do it, God. I'll do it, God. I'm going to get wet today. I'll do it. God, thank you for the way you moved in this service. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. May you be glorified, Jesus. We worship you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.